I think we should do the game first, Kirk, mostly because okay. I will pee my pants out of anticipation if we don't. <laughs> I'm so excited. Cannot yes. Wait. Are you, are you, do you have any music we could just play underneath like at hand? I can. Yeah, I can do that. Give us a little tune. Give us a little, a little okay, jingle. Okay, okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to be a little bit intense. Okay. Can you hear that? I can hear that. I can feel it. Can you feel it, Cam? Yes. Because the movie we reviewed, or will be reviewing, we'll is be called The Tomorrow War, not World, as we established yes. with Chris Pratt. So this game is called The Chris War, okay? Yes. It is The Chris War. So what I have done is I have pieced together different quotes from different films that the Chris's, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth have said in their characters. Ooh. And you must tell me which Chris it is. Oh boy. All right, let's do it. Are you ready? I I hope so, Kirk. I really do. The first one. I think you're underestimating. I can't speak. Underestimate. <clears throat> let's ahead. try again. Edit that out in the Cut. live podcast, please. I think you're underestimating humanity. Is it Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, or Chris Hemsworth? That's got to be a Chris Pratt line. That has to be. That's like every character he plays is like so like open-minded and like in love, like sees the best in people. So it's got to be him. What was your your vote again? Pratt. Pratt. The answer is Chris Pine. No. What movie? From Star Trek Beyond. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> Next one up. I come from a planet of outlaws. Billy the Kid, Bonnie and Clyde, John Stamos. Yeah. Chris Pratt. That's from Guardians. Probably volume one. That's right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. You can give yourself a ding or a buzzer, whichever I you I actually don't please. know if I can with the music playing. Oh, but I'll man. just go, ding a ding Oh, I like that. <laughs> that was the worst. That was so bad. <laughs> I'll try something better next time. No, oh, I that want that, so, exact, uh, that exact level. I can't of even believe how bad that was. Okay. <laughs> it was like a K sound in there. I don't know, man. I oh, love it. Man. I love it. Next up. Yes. I choose to run toward my problems and not away from them because that's what heroes do. Because that's what heroes do. That is our good friend, Chris Hemsworth. That is correct. And that Give yourself is a from little. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So far, you are two for three. Yes. In the Chris War. Let's see how you keep going here. <clears throat> I don't believe in mistakes. It's the mistakes that make us who we are. Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, or Chris Hemsworth. I don't believe in mistakes. It's the mistakes who make us who we are. That is correct. I'm going to go Pine. That is correct. Yes. What's it the was film? Mr. Christopher Pine. Mr. Christopher Pine. It was This Means War with him and Tom okay. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. That's. I was thinking something in that region. Not mm -hmm. exactly and that film, but sure. Reese Witherspoon, one of the strangest uh, team-ups ever. Truly. <laughs> Next. I mean, it's not a competition, but I've been through a lot. My father killed my mother, and then I had to kill my father. That was hard. Probably even harder than having to kill a sister. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth is incorrect. No. 
That Chris was Pratt? Mr. Christopher Pratt when he is peacocking against Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah, Wait. yeah. In Wait a second. Infinity War. Yes. Yeah. Wait. Yes. Yeah, he had to kill. Yeah, my father killed my mother, and then I had to kill my yes. father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. I got confused. All the Chris's. Now no, I'm you're getting right. confused. <laughs> you're I'm right. worried. That, you I'm picked a worried. scene where it's Chris Hemsworth and Chris <laughs> Pratt in the same scene. <laughs> That's why now I I'm got confused. Now I'm going to pick a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I know. All right, so next up. I was raised to be charming, not sincere. Chris Pratt. Chris Pine. Oh, it's Chris Pine. Or Chris Hemsworth. Chris Pine, right? Isn't Final answer. Final answer. Is it Into the Woods? That is correct. correct Very movie nice. Too? Very nice. Both. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. All right. Let's go for one more. You're yes. doing exquisite on this wonderful game we have going. I'm ready. It all starts with a simple choice. Oh, wow. Very vague. It is. It is very vague. <laughs> it all starts with a simple choice. What movie could that be from? I'm going Chris Pratt. Pratt. I'm going Pratt. You're going Pratt. Yeah. Hemsworth? It is Hemsworth. Dang it! From Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh. Because everyone's seen that movie. I actually, I want, it's been on my watch list. It's one of those movies, you know, that's like a watch list dweller. You know, yes. it's like one of those things that kind of just like floats in the watch list and you're like, I totally mean to get around to that, but because it's been there for so long, you never actually watch it. And it just, it's one of those things. It just lives there forever. Well, that was a great, that was That's a great game. game. I think I went like four for seven or something like that. Yeah. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Correct. Three incorrect. That is correct. Yes. Well done. Well done, Mr. Cam. Thanks, man. And... I won't say who won the Chris's because uh, it'll take me too long to tally that. But uh, as you know where I stand, I, you know I where do I know stand where you stand. Chris Pine. I do know where you stand. I know your team Pine, and I respect that decision. Uh, it's the wrong choice, but I respect your choice, and that's okay. How dare you? <laughs> All right. Speaking of Chris's, let's talk about Chris Pratt. Let's talk about his latest film, The Tomorrow War. Like we said, available to stream on Amazon Prime Video, and I am the one synopsing. This week, The Tomorrow War. Oh, man, where to begin? So this movie, like I said, stars Chris Pratt. It's a movie that takes place in the present and in the future, both. And uh, it's a basically starts out with, with, you find out Chris Pratt is our main antagonist. His name is, um, uh, totally blanking on his name, Dan his, Forrester. Dan Forrester. That is correct. Daniel Forrester. Sorry about that. And he is basically like a high school science teacher who has aspirations of being like, uh, you know, he wants to work in an army research lab and like do do that kind of work. He's ex-special forces type of thing. And he is watching a like a World Cup soccer game with his family at a Christmas party that his family's hosting when some very rude people from the future, 30 years in the future, bust into the middle of the field and they say, we are you in the future and we need your help to fight a war. When that happens, everything goes crazy. They start building these jump points. People are being in, like, there's a worldwide draft of people being enlisted to fight in this future war to save the world 30 years from now against these aliens uh, called the White Spikes. Um, and 
that is the basic premise for the movie. And once he gets there, I guess since we're doing spoilers, I can go. Once he gets there, he finds out that the reason he was called there is that he was called there by his daughter in the future, Don, 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 who is a colonel in this war effort and needs his help to, uh, to save the past and thus the future, but not her future. Whoa, we're getting crazy with the timelines. And this movie boasts a cast that includes Chris Pratt as Dan Forrester, uh, Yvonne Strahovski, who plays his future, his daughter in the future, J.K. Simmons, who plays his dad, Betty Gilpin is his wife, Sam Richardson is his friend Charlie, who he meets while fighting in the war. So that is our that is our core cast. Anything I left out, Kirk? No, other than that, the, these aliens are pretty much some of the coolest aliens I've seen. Very uh, cool in recent in recent history. Uh, just just shout, I can't. I'm going to boast about them this entire this entire time. How so, would you bravo. describe them? Since I don't have a photo of them, I feel like they look like they almost look like big cats with tentacles. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's that? What's that Pokemon that's like? It, it has four legs. It's uh-huh. white. It has like a lion mane. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's from the it's from the new games, right? Sogaleo Shield. Is it Sogaleo? Sogaleo. Does it sound like that? That's what my son calls it, at least. Sol Solgaleo. Solgaleo. There it is. Solgaleo. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but if you had like a, a, a terrorized version of that um, with tentacles, so yeah. Kirk, you're you're on the money here. Hold on. I got Thank a, you. I got a photo of of Solgaleo. You got the name right and everything. Let me just share my screen here. No, nope, it's gonna be too complicated. It's going to be we too weren't, complicated. If we weren't if we streaming, weren't, I would show it, but he's he's right on the money. Well, I might sneak away if you um, take my face off of the screen I and can. see if I can find it. I can, because I am starting us off with our superlatives. Our first one is going to our Oscar. The Oscar goes to, which is our best actor in the film. And for me, this was tough. This was tough because there were a couple of candidates here. But... Because he is the catalyst for the movie, he's the main character, he has the most screen time, far and away from any other character in the movie, I'm going with Mr. Chris Pratt. And I don't think that this was a perfect performance by any means, but what I would say, what I will say for Chris Pratt, um, despite it not being a perfect performance from him, was that he had the most... layered character out of all of them. He had, he was the one character that didn't like, that wasn't a bit part in this movie. You know, he had to have relationships with his family and ambitions about his science career and, you know, a military background, which, you know, and then he has to fight in combat with all these people and make new friends. Like he is not one dimensional where really every other character in the movie is, And so for that reason, the level of difficulty factor that goes into that, I'm giving it to Chris Pratt because I thought for the most part he did really well. And and there were times where the dialogue was working against him as well, particularly in those early foundational scenes and then a little bit at the end when they're trying to piece everything back together. But through it all, he gives a really consistent performance. When it gets um, emotional, he's right there for the moment. He, He feels it out. He does a great job. He makes it feel human, feel personable. That's really what he's about as an actor. Chris Pratt does a really good job of making things feel genuine and honest. And so for the most part, I felt like anytime where you were like, eh, that probably wasn't the best delivery and that wasn't the best moment, it was more for 
other exterior things that were causing it, like either the writing or the pacing or, or what have you that actually caused it. So like I said, not a perfect performance, but I do still feel like he was the best performer in the movie, in my opinion. That's right. That is correct. Um, here is Sogaleo. Yes. Hold on. Let me make you. Yes. 100%. You're right on the money. Take away all of the color and just make it drab white. Uh, just With like, like a dingy. little bit of, they have like a little bit of like a burnt red ish, like on their face sometimes, like maybe the, just the females or something. Yeah. And, and that and blood, like dried blood uh, yeah. right there in the mouth. Yeah. So this is, this is a good replica. This may have been the exact um, inspiration <laughs> for the aliens in the tomorrow war. Uh, so I heard you say Chris Pratt, I got to say it goes for me as well. Uh, this movie, uh, you know, the beginning of this movie struggled a lot in dialogue. It, it really had it really had a, a good left hook um, in the first act of when we see all of these drafted citizens just get catapulted and then dropped into the abyss of this war. Literally, uh, when the jump point messes up, the the coordinates uh, get all jacked up and they just fall mostly to their death. Uh, but Chris Pratt he covers he covers throughout all of this, which is why he remains the remains the leading man uh this movie is his first uh, credit as executive producer uh so kudos to you mr pratt yeah. expanding your world expanding your wealth and uh i i just there are a couple of moments where um the script called for uh some really cold moments uh between him and, and his future daughter uh miri but there are he, he has to hold to those because of how the script is but then there are a couple of moments in which he says nope forget that i really gotta i really have to express what i'm feeling in this moment um just a couple of those where uh, mostly when when he leaves when he finds out that he leaves her and his family in the future uh and the question is did it happen because of his time in the future and going back and he decided to change it right or was it always going to happen that way that's what i love about about time traveling movies because you never quite know uh yeah just the like cam said just the human uh, the human element that chris pratt brings to all of his roles uh starting all the way back with andy dwyer we really got to know exactly how he wanted to shape his career and how he wanted to impact people and he continues to do it on this despite the uphill battle against the script especially in the first half of this movie yeah good call good call all around so we are in agreement that Chris Pratt is the best actor in this movie. Let's move on to scene stealer. There were a lot of candidates for scene stealer because like I said, a lot of, a lot of bit parts going on, a lot of smaller roles, a lot of people whose screen time is really dwarfed by um, Chris Pratt's, you know, they, yes. they sort of revolve around his universe and his main storyline. But for me, my best or my scene stealer is going to Yvonne Strahovski, who plays Colonel Muri Forster, his daughter in the future. That plays plays Dan Forster's daughter in the future. Um, you know Yvonne Strahovski. You know her from The Handmaid's Tale. You know her from I think she was in uh, that show with Zachary Levi. What was that show called? Ted. Is that what that show was called? Oh, it was called Ted. Yeah, let's see. She was in Dexter. She was in Dexter, right? She was in. Um, Oh, what was the other thing I was just thinking of? I was like, man, she looks super familiar, but she was in... Um, Chuck. That was it, Chuck. Chuck, yeah. Why did I think it was called Ted? Not Ted. I did it's too. Called, it's called Chuck, but she, she's been in a few things, but this was sort of the first like really big movie role that I think I had seen 
her in, but she's an up and comer. I thought she was stellar in this movie. She plays a character who's who is pretty one dimensional in the sense that she's like a war hardened, uh, you know, super genius scientist and also combatant who is sort of leading the charge against these aliens in the future. But she has to have some hard conversations with her dad about, you know, in this future world, Chris Pratt has like left his family. And so she doesn't really have like a relationship with him. And so he, you know, he's coming, having this great relationship with her as a nine year old, he's coming into the future to meet a daughter who doesn't have any sort of relationship with him and actually has some, some really harsh negative feelings towards him um, because of the way that things went down in his life before he passed away in a car accident. So there's so many different layers to their relationship. Um, but she does a great job of just like commanding the screen, commanding the dialogue. I think there's a lot of things where, you know, you're supposed to believe that she's the colonel of this huge army that's like fighting off these aliens. And she, she totally sells it all the way. And, um, does an excellent job all the way until her final scene. She has some great combat moments. She has great on cue crying. You know, she, there's a scene where she's in the middle of a conversation about something and she's talking to her dad and he turns to walk away and she right on time has one silent tear roll down her face. And I was like, Woo-hoo-hoo! that's, that's good stuff, man. That's money. And I, I don't know how many takes it took to get that timing. Right. But uh, I loved it. I thought it was excellent, and I thought she was great, and I expect to see her in many more uh, big roles in the future because I feel like she is a future powerhouse actor. Beautiful, beautiful. My scene stealer goes to Miss Jasmine Matthews, who played Lieutenant Hart. Uh, yeah. She is the, the first futuristic person we see uh, interrupt that MLS game, as you heard Cameron so passionately uh uh, upset because if cam was physically there at that game or watching it he probably wouldn't care what was happening at all in in the future he would no, say why did you like, mess what? up my... now this game doesn't count <laughs> <It's> my... <laughs> yes dq'd it's off the board you know and how do they how do they come back from that uh jasmine matthews i knew nothing about her she's got a couple of, of credits on her plate she's uh also starring in a, in a movie called uh the man from toronto with kaylee cuoco kevin hart woody harrelson big movie coming up for her and this one of course uh her big breakout role i wrote in my notes as i was taking the movie as i often do i simply wrote lieutenant hart is a baller she comes in and she just takes over the screen uh her her statue uh, her stature is is uh, is small but she has you can tell she has been working out for this role she is armored to from head to toe and she is taking crap from no one from no one uh but also there's such heart to her uh that's probably why she was called lieutenant hart i'm just now realizing this <laughs> uh, to be able to to be in this power position but then to also be able to convey the importance of this mission to every single uh new newly drafted soldier so throughout she really also uh, all the supporting cast they didn't have enough time because it really was focused on uh chris pratt and yvonne but she really stood out to me and kudos to her bravo to her i'm excited to see what's next yeah good pick i like that pick there there were there were a lot of candidates i think there it, it was like this movie was chunked out in such a way that there were so many of these little supporting roles that you could focus in on but just for a short period of time then you know they were all like fleeting you know um, yes. so i think that's good to good to acknowledge those all right let's move into our showstopper this is the portion of the movie that really blew us away 
for me, it's these these epic war scenes that are set to a, a brilliant score, great camera work, uh, really good visual effects. Um, kudos on the visual effects. This is like a $200 million movie, so definitely the budget was there, and they put it to good use on the VFX. I thought the aliens looked good. I thought the future landscapes looked good, um, this like post-apocalyptic future world that they created. Um, and, and the movie is really at, a, at its best when there is combat going on. You know, they really had a nice flair and cadence to it. Um, you know, the director of this movie is Chris McKay, who started in the animated world, directed the Lego Batman movie. Um, so I, I, I was a little bit surprised at how well all of these scenes were managed and, and balanced. And you get the, you know, the static coming over the comms from the helicopter being like, Chopper 1 is down. You know, like all the things that you need in these epic um, war scenes and I really thought those were the best portions of the movie it really was a true sci-fi epic war movie they didn't really cheap out on that the only thing I thought is we could have spent more time in combat um, because it was fast paced it was well done it, it, it looked good it sounded good the music was there like I said um, that's what this movie was all, was really all about that's what this movie really delivered on and um, I loved those scenes I was sitting in my basement and you know, the one thing I really wish is that I had been in a theater, a big, loud theater with a big digital screen, because even my TV at home, which I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my TV set up at home, my TV and my sound, it just wasn't enough. I wanted, like, you know, I was turning the volume up, like, I wanted it to hit me straight in the chest. I wanted to feel it, like, that's what cinema's all about, um, and particularly sci-fi action movies, and, and I just couldn't get to that level with my home setup, but it was still uh, still a great, you know, 4K loud uh, experience. I, I, so I really enjoyed those those war scenes. I have this visual of me popping up from behind your couch one day and just like <laughs> punching you in the yeah, chest. Yeah, so I can feel it. That would actually be good, yes. Kirk. I might enlist your help for that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll set up a hidden cam and we'll see what happens. So I'll just be like, I don't... now! <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> this moment. Um, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, showstopper for me had to be the aliens. You cannot have a good alien movie without a good alien concept. Um, I wrote down very early on, I said, dude, I actually wrote this. Dude, the white spikes are terrifying. terrifying. You, the first glimpse that we get of them in the stairwell, uh, you get a couple of tails here and, you know, tentacle here and feet there and, you know, bl- dragging people away. But when you get into that dark stairwell, that compact stairwell where you have nowhere to go but up or down and they're just going to jump on top of you and they, you get the, the flashlight on them and they're panting like dogs. That <laughs> element yeah, like literally like dogs who have just run like 10 miles uh in the in the what what do you call it the 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 big eskimo uh not that yeah i did a rod i did a rod thank you uh that big race so that's what they sounded like and that just struck me in such an exciting way that it gave them so much more realism of these completely fictional characters that, Oh dude, they're dogs. They're just vicious. And that you could only strike them in the neck or the belly, but it wasn't just that simple because they're, they're like armored their whole back when they're getting shot at, they just throw their back up because they know they've got this shell, uh, this like thick shell to protect themselves. The, the design of these, that this, this specific, uh, alien <laughs> was so wonderful. I don't get excited about aliens. I really don't. Uh, just because, 
it's so hard to Im- impress me with it. Uh, you can't just give me teeth and goo. Uh, you got you have to be really really specific on, on why it's scary, on why this alien's going to take over the world in this story. And I thought it was such such a good alien and so well done. So bravo to the alien design and the full execution. Yeah, I second that. I mean, this movie falls apart without that, doesn't it? Right? Like, yes. it, it just it kills the suspension of disbelief, and you quickly go to a point where you're like. This is absolutely preposterous. I hate this. But you're right. All the way down to the details of like, they tell you the neck or belly. And when you first hear it, you're like, ah, that seems easy enough. But then when you see the way that they move and, and how smart they are, then you're like, holy crap, these things are tanks. And and you start to really feel scared of them. And, and uh, yeah, alien design is not easy. I think people think that sci- these sci-fi movies are run of the mill. But you have to keep in mind, this was a totally original concept. Not, not based off of any source material. Like, sure, every idea is bar... They borrow things from different things, but this was not based on a book, graphic novel, previous show or movie, no no remake, no spinoff. Mm-hmm. This was an original concept, and for the alien design to be that good is, is really impressive. It really is. Yes. All right, let's move on to the other side of the coin, which is our director's shoes and what notes we would have to fix this movie or, um, you know, just things that we think could have been better. There are a couple of ways to go here. I think that there are there are plenty of things to poke at, and if, if you really want to poke at it, there there's even more. You know, there's plot holes. There's, you know, like any sci-fi movie, there's things that don't totally jive or connect. Um, this this movie certainly wasn't immune to that. But I would say, for me, the real thing that bothered me was the pacing. And this is not just an ins- an instance of this movie's too slow, this movie's too fast. It's not that simple. It's like the pacing was just odd, <laughs> you know, like going too fast through moments that they could have taken more time for going too slow through moments that they really should speed through, you know, like I felt like they weren't playing to their, to their strengths the whole movie. And I felt like they had a really hard time balancing characters and dialogue to the point that that affected their pacing. Like whenever Ivan Strahovski comes into the picture, they write Charlie and um, Darian, Damien, mm-hmm. what's that character's name? Uh, they they write them out of the scene. They like they find an explanation for why they need Dorian. to go. Dorian, and that's you know they we had just built those relationships, and and I'm like, ah man, I think that's a mistake. And then they loop Charlie back in, or they intro the dad. They intro Dan's dad, and then write him out, and then they bring him back at the very end and try, have to like speed through trying to build this relationship so i'm like man if you could just distribute this stuff out spend a little bit more time on the dialogue you know actually working on the dialogue to make it good and then you know find a way to include charlie in those scenes where they're at the base with yvonne and and include dorian in those scenes and then also you know include flashbacks with the dad or something you know like find ways to build that stuff throughout because it's really like you're watching a different movie it's like there's the before movie and then there's when he's in the future with his like as the leader of the of his little command and then there's him with Yvonne and then the end like all of those feel very different and it's because the pacing was a little bit off and um, so while each of those parts have merit and are good in their own way they don't feel cohesive and in, in a lot of ways when Dan comes back you know he he dives after Yvonne in that epic slow-mo scene you know she's falling into the 
the sea of the white spikes about to die and he's got the toxin to take back to the past to save the world. He dives after her anyway because he loves his daughter and um, ends up at home because of the jump. Like, you're like, woo, good movie. It's over. Great job. And then there's like an hour left (laughs) or 45 (laughs) minutes or something like that. And you're like, huh? And then that 45 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever feels quick. Like just, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're moving really fast. We're solving new problems, et cetera. And it just doesn't quite work the way that I felt like it should have to be successful. So I realized that was not the most eloquent way to put that, but it's kind of a complex, um, director shoes, I guess. It is complex because it's time travel cam. I thought you did a wonderful That's right. job. It is time travel. Yeah. So, There's a lot going on here. I think something that was lacking was how much stronger the relationship between uh, Dan Forrester, a.k.a. Chris Pratt, and uh, Colonel Murray Forrester, a.k.a. Yvonne Strahovski, could have been. There's a lot of opportunities when she's still young, when she's still young Murray, that get missed. Uh, We get like this goofiness, uh, which more so comes off as Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt. And I felt like that was a miss uh, for character development. It should have been more specific to their relationship. Uh, There's a moment when he tells her that he has been drafted and that he's going away. They don't even touch Uh, there. It's very cold. Um, We understand why it's cold later, but in order for that to be that much more off putting, we needed the warmth of their, of their relationship earlier on. So that, part is strange it was so cold it seemed intentional in that you thought that wait a second this is a time travel movie is he gonna like come back a la interstellar and like sneak into the background and do something or there's a noise you know something like that it seemed like there was a lot of open opportunity in that moment for something else to happen and maybe it did in a deleted scene that didn't work overall um but their relationship when they were uh when chris pratt was in the present uh was just not quite filled out um I can't say that enough. I can't say that enough. And then I have to say that the the strange the strange quality of Chris Pratt's um, choices when he just ups and leaves, you know, by the time within seven years of that conversation, it doesn't seem like it at all. We get no. a glimpse of it when he's like trying to get a new job, right? Uh, with like one phone call, but there's never this dismay or this, this emptiness in his in his uh, own self being and self worth because he has his wife who he clearly loves. There's no friction there. He has his daughter who he's very in pace with, in step with. So that part of it seems very strange um, to see him want to want to run away from that just because he didn't know the the correct next path and the last thing i have to say chris pratt you are a good actor the scene with him and jk simmons when they first chat not it's just not good but i think it's mostly due to the writing and chris pratt was trying to elevate it um when you're angry when you're acting uh and or in life and this is what it comes from when you're angry and you slam something you don't slam something and then speak you slam and speak at the same time because you can't take it you can't you ha- you have to let it all out at the same time. But he clearly slams his fist, takes a pause, and then he gets really frustrated at J.K. Simmons right before he walks away and decides that he's going to go off to the war. So that choice in particular, I think it could have been stronger if he had really uh, thought about how clear it was that he was frustrated versus how scared he was. It's a fine line and he could have made that scene better by connecting the words on that, on that fist slam. That's super specific, but 
come on, Chris, it could have been that much better. And earlier on in, in the movie would have had us attached to you more. I'm blaming it on direction and dialogue, but yes, okay. I agree. I, I feel like, I feel like that's a, that's a novice director move there to sort of like you write it that way, but then you can't see it whenever it's, whenever you're filming it, you can't see that that doesn't feel natural because you're just so glued to the script and how you envisioned yeah. it going that you can't see it as like real life. I feel like that's, that has to be part of it, but I like that call out. And yeah, the, my, that was my second big gripe that I could have talked about in director shoes was the thing about him leaving his family makes no sense. Makes no sense. No. They even have a scene after he gets turned down for this job and he's upset about it where his daughter sort of like eases him back. She's she like gives him a little anecdote about the guy who found the vaccine for tuberculosis and he gets, yep. he gets brought back to earth. And so for them, whenever they said that, I was like, Whoa, hold on. That does not feel <laughs> right at all. And, and that hurts, that hurts the movie because then that's the basis for their relationship. So if you're not bought into that, you have a hard time with their relationship. I think they do a decent job of building that back together. And by the end you're, you're fairly emotionally attached, but that's also the basis for him rekindling his relationship with his dad. Because he mm -hmm. understands that, you know, things can happen that affect your ability to be a parent and that it shouldn't just be one strike and you're out type of deal. Um, so it does. It hurts the movie. It does. It hurts the movie. So I think that's a, that's a good call. All right, let's move into the final section, which is our final thoughts and scores. Uh, Kirk, I mentioned this over the weekend. We would not talk anything about our opinions on this movie, but the one thing that I said was, this is a tough movie to, to, to score. It is. It's a tough movie to score. And I can't really put my finger on why. I think, I, I guess in short, it's sort of that they do a lot of things in the genre of sci-fi action epic very well. They do, like like the things I was talking about earlier in Showstopper, the, the action scenes, the combat, the VFX, the score, um, sound mixing and editing. All that stuff was done beautifully. I was like, Great. Um, but there are issues, you know, there are plot holes, there, there are dialogue issues, there are pacing issues, like I said, and that sort of takes away from it. I think at the end of the day, you know, it, they made a movie that wasn't at its full potential, and that's always frustrating. You know, they, they even, you know, go so far, or don't go so far, as I guess I should say, um, they stop short of making a point. <laughs> In this movie, they stop short of saying... <laughs> They stop short of saying this is a movie about living your life in the now and, 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 and taking those little moments. They, they, they kind of flirt with it, but they don't say it. They stop short of saying this is a movie about climate change and how people don't listen to scientists. You know, they, they, they flirt with that too, but they mm -hmm. don't make any solid, you know, social message. There's no story human message. They just at the end of the day, it's just a sci-fi movie and that's fine. And that's cool, but it's not cool whenever you like act like you're going to make a point and then don't because then your audience is trying to be like, okay, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to piece this together. And really you're not trying to tell them anything. You're just throwing out these kind of like vague abstract ideas that you don't really put a sharp point onto. And that, that hurts it. But if you're coming to this movie, like most people are, I think, um, wanting action, wanting aliens, wanting epic scenes and, and good fast-paced, heart-pounding action scenes, you're going to get it, and, and then some. I think that those areas really deliver. And I know you're going to say, but Cam, you, you trashed Fast and the Furious 9 for those same things about how stupid and preposterous it was. Well, here's the difference. This was in a world that had very defined rules 
And <laughs> it was in a fictional world, a world that's based on something highly fictional with aliens that do not exist, etc. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious world is supposed to be similar to our world with people who don't have superpowers and don't have this, but that world also has no rules. So there is a difference, and I don't like the no rules. Um, so all of that is to say, after much, much, much deliberation, I'm giving this a 6.1. I think it's worth the watch. And here's a fun one for you, Kirk. I will say that this is, this is so dumb, the best non-Star Wars, non-Marvel, alien sci-fi movie since Edge of Tomorrow, lived, I repeat, the uh, mm-hmm. 2014 movie with, with uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Beautiful. 6.1. Wonderful. All right, Wonderful Kirk, score. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, all that, all that. It was, it was just so, so beautiful. Hold on. Just, that was wonderful. Thanks, man. That was, I appreciate that. I needed nice. that. I needed that this week. That was very nice. That was very nice. This movie does something that uh, I get mad about a lot of times where it, it actually flipped it on its head. A lot of the times we get movies where act one is great, act three is great, but the middle is boring. This was completely upside down. Act two of this film was the best part of this movie. Act mm-hmm. one was rough. And act three, we knew the resolution was coming. Um, and it, 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 held, it still held up. It held up enough. Uh, so it started off not so great. I really thought I was going to turn it off. And then it, it just flipped. And it was really intriguing when all those bodies were falling out of the sky uh, and the <laughs> yeah. coordinates were wrong. I was like, dang, they went there. They went there. And then the the full development of the aliens, which it, that is just a home run for this film and for this team. Uh, I have to say that with all of that, it, it, I loved the rules. As Cameron mentioned, you have to have rules uh, in the movie and you have to stick to your guns. If you, uh, if you show the gun, if you show Chekhov's gun in, in act one, it better come up in act three, all the different themes that cam talked about and hit on all those things were presented, but never resolved. So that's an issue. But through it all, we had some great, great chemistry between a couple of characters, just enough to carry us through some fantastic visual effects. And the biggest part of it all is that the alien was the, just the, just the big feature of this film. Uh, so this movie gets a 6.4 out of 10 for me. Ooh, we were close. We were close. And here's, what's interesting. Um, like I said, I mean, I've talked about it before. We, we both try to stay away from reviews as much as possible. Um, yes. I follow lots of movie people on Twitter so I can get the latest in movie news and um, I so for that I, I caught a few stray bullets and saw a couple of people's like quick you know 140 characters thoughts on the movie and they were all over the board and I could totally see why that would happen so that's why I'm surprised that we are as close as we are but I think um, yeah this is a movie it doesn't reach great territory but it's it's worth a watch it's a great summer movie uh, for some reason in this country, alien movies say scream 4th of July to us for some reason. So it was a great, it was a great watch over 4th of July weekend. And uh, it's one you should check out on, on Amazon Prime Video if you haven't already. But it should have been in theaters. And in fact, the director of the movie uh, even voiced his opinions that he was a little bit upset when it got sold to Amazon for exactly that reason, that uh, it wasn't going to get a theatrical release. You know, it's just $200 million it got sold for. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that is our review of The Tomorrow War. All right. 
Let's move along. We got one last segment for you guys this week. We are going to be talking about aliens and we're going to do our schoolyard pick of aliens. And this has, I started this out when I texted it to Kirk earlier. Um, I said schoolyard pick of movie aliens question mark. And then I was like, no, we, we should just do schoolyard pick of aliens. That's better. Cause let's just go. No holds barred. This could be anything, any, any sort of alien. Um, and Kirk, you are doing us the honors with the first pick what? because I let off uh, our review. So you get to lead the way here. So let me ask you this. Is it, is it movie aliens specifically? No, any alien, any alien, dude, it can be, it can be TV aliens. It can be, you know, aliens from video games. It can be aliens from your imagination. I don't care. Any, any alien, whatever you want. (laughs) From my imagination. (laughs) Let me describe, I'll draw it real quick for you. Oh man, this is tough. All right. It's tough, but I know my first one. It's always this one. It's a little bit nostalgic for me because I saw this movie way too early. Thanks, mom and dad. Way too early in the theaters. <laughs> Gotta be the alien from Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, you got Bill Pullman. You got Will Smith, Vivica Fox, Jeff Goldblum, the whole team. And you got that those crazy, crazy aliens. You can't get enough of them. There, there are... They get shown very early on in that movie, and they knew that they had to have something good because they get so much screen time. I mean, there's a scene where it's just them and their ship when they're up near the end of the film, and you've got Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith and their spaceship going to the other one. There's like six of them in their cockpit, and <laughs> if they weren't good enough or strong enough in their confidence of the effectiveness of these aliens, that movie would crumble. You know, Will Smith punches him in the face. He drags him around. He makes fun of him. So good. Independence Day Aliens, number one pick. Love it. That's a great choice. It's a great choice. Um, welcome to Earth. Bam. <laughs> That's right. We were just talking about that scene, me and some buddies over the, over the weekend, because again, it's Independence Day. And uh, what what a great scene. And, and shockingly, a shockingly low number of people have seen that movie, I feel like, that were born you know, within the last, like people in my peer group, like haven't seen that movie. And I don't really understand why I really don't, I I don't get it. Um, it's, it's a rite of passage for sure. Yes. Um, okay. My first pick, I'm going with Yoda, 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 (laughs) who is an alien of a species unknown to everyone in the, in the star Wars verse. We've only, we only see a couple of these little people. Grogu is one of them. Yaddle is the other, is the other one that we see in the films. Um, yeah, Yoda, I mean, Yoda sort of speaks for himself, right? Little green guy, got a great look, got the best voice and, and speech pattern in the world. He's wise, he's strong, he's epic. He's everything you would want an alien to be. He is the best case scenario for aliens. Like if we were to get invaded or like have aliens come visit our planet, if a bunch of Yodas got off the ship, you'd be like, okay, we're good. We're all right. We're all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, guys. These guys probably just want to like kick it, drop some nuggets of wisdom, and then they'll be on their way. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Yoda. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to go my next pick with the aliens from arrival. Ooh, I love those guys. The little noodle arm guys, (laughs) right? Yes. Yes. Like jellyfish, you know, like the black ink, uh, what do you call it? The the Rorschach test, uh, aliens, (laughs) those dudes are so cool. 
uh, the, just the, the, the design is so simple, but complex and how they like just connect with you in like a Spock like level from mm-hmm. star Trek in order to give you wisdom. Their whole story arc is just incredible. If you have not seen arrival or if you thought it was too slow, you didn't watch the movie no, correctly and how dare you? Um, it's a, it's wonderful. It's magnificent and it deserved every nomination that and win that it got at the Academy Awards. So aliens from arrival. We saw that movie together in theaters years before, you know, when this podcast was just a twinkle in our, in our, in our eyes Yes, you know, before we had even started this whole thing. And that was one of those movies where we both walked out and we're like, dude, Yes, yes, yes to all of that. That was awesome. Denis Villeneuve immediately was a name that, you know, just lit a fire within our heart every time we heard it from that point on because that movie was just awesome. It was. Love it. All right, my next pick. Mm, This is tough. Don't take mine. (laughs) All right, uh, here's what I'll do. I'll be kind. I'm going to take one that I know you're not going to have on your list. Just okay. to be nice, just as a as an offering, because I don't want to take anything off your list. Because I've got, I feel like I've got a deep list, and I can I can go, you know, five six deep, and okay. and be okay. So for my next one, I'm picking Roger from American Dad. Roger from American <laughs> Dad. The, listen, <laughs> I am not a um, Seth MacFarlane fan per se. Like I wasn't like a huge Family Guy person. I didn't like love the movie Ted with Mark Wahlberg, but Roger. And first of all, American Dad is great. I will stand by that. If anybody wants to fight me over it, bring it. Um, I've watched this show through a bunch of times, but Roger is one of the best television characters ever. He's absolutely hilarious. His whole bit is that he's like always like playing these characters. He's like method acting these characters. Like he takes on their whole persona. He's got thousands of disguises. Um, he's a complete sociopath and psychopath. <laughs> And he has like a very stereotypical alien shape with like little fat little legs and like <laughs> big buggy eyes and like a and like an oblong head. Yeah. He's great. I, I just love him. I love everything about Roger. I think he's the greatest. Oh, that got me. I did not expect that <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah, do you like that one? That's a that's a deep cut there. It is. It is. Uh, I'm gonna go with E. Yeah, I mean, the goat, right? That's right. It's what it's, you know, there were so many different versions of aliens, but Steven Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg. Yeah, I love that guy. (laughs) You know, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he really touched, touched home. One, I still get queasy and I don't know how to describe the queasiness in that movie when they are, um, chloroforming the frogs in the science class. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I get like lightheaded a little bit. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that scene always always freaked me out as a child, and, and that feeling never went away. Uh, so maybe I have a strong fear of being chloroformed in a tight, open jar. Or just uh, a strong like, empathy for frogs. You know, Could I wasn't a big fan in dissection in fifth and sixth grade. I was like, you know, this is not for me. Um, and I let my partner, whoever that was, do it. So thanks if you remember who you were, because um, I've forgotten you. <laughs> but E.T. <laughs> for the win. Yes, that's a great pick. It's it's actually shocking that he waited so long to be picked. I think we both knew that he was going to be picked at some point because he's great. Yes. Um, and again, I love that stereotypical alien look. I feel like, you know, the big buggy eyes. If aliens were to ever come to this earth and look like us, I would be so ticked. 
I'd be like, <laughs> what? What is this? Um, okay, moving right along. All right, I'm on my third pick now. My third pick. Yes. All right, I'm going to go back to... Um, well, I'm going to go I'm going to go with uh, Ridley Scott's Aliens from the Alien franchise. The big long head. These guys are terrifying. The the face sucker aliens that plant eggs, you know, the the whole ev- all of it. The everything. Prometheus, you and I saw that movie together at like 11:45 at night one time and <laughs> that did. shook me to the core of my being. Like I never get scared of sci-fi movies like I don't know, like Event Horizon and stuff like that, like didn't ever freak me out. But that Prometheus movie was terrifying. That final scene where she's like trying to sew her stomach back together and the aliens coming. Oh my Lord. These guys are so scary. Um, That first alien movie with Sigourney Weaver, absolute classic, a must see for everyone, despite whatever genres you prefer. You have to see that movie. It's again, it's another rite of passage. It's truly scary. Those aliens redefine space as a terrifying place, which I did not mm-hmm. think of it as that before. I, I would never go to space because I don't want to die in the endless vacuum. But I didn't oh. ever not want to go to space because of scary aliens that will like slime me and rip my face off and kill me. Um, and Ridley Scott gave me that fear. So I, I think these aliens deserve to be on the list. Yes. Um, I My next pick, um, I must I must find... Uh, here the image will only will only do it justice uh one moment uh it's from a movie from 1988 and it is a little movie called mac and me i knew it mac and me (laughs) i knew this was gonna get picked i knew this was gonna get picked it's one second let's just blow that up there we go mac and me this this movie (laughs) dude (laughs) If you've never watched this movie, you need to. I, f- I first found out about this movie uh, through Mr. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd has had as, as an ongoing joke on Conan O'Brien's uh, talk show for years that just recently ended. Again, congrats, Mr. Conan O'Brien, congrats, for your Conan. longest talk show run. And every time Paul Rudd came on as a joke, he decided that instead of showing a clip from the movie he was promoting, he would trick Conan every single time over 30 years and say, yeah, here's, he would set it up, talk about the the scene and then play this, <laughs> this scene from this movie. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was basically uh, just an, an attempt to, uh, to win off of ET's fame. And it fell very, very short. Jennifer Aniston's first acting credit goes into this movie, Mac and me. You can see here as a dancer at a McDonald's birthday party, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to check that one out. Cause it is just incredible. Yes. Yes. Mac and me, man, that I have to just say <laughs> that was on my list. That was on my list. Um, great pick. Great pick. All right. My fourth pick. This is my second to last pick. Okay. We're getting down to it now. We're getting down to it after much deliberation. I'm going to go with Groot. Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Groot is, for those, the uninitiated, he is a Flora Colossus, a giant tree from Planet X. And he basically only says things like, I am Groot, we are Groot, things like that. But he, he speaks his own language that way. And he's just a fun-loving tree person who can also destroy everyone with much violence 
but he really does mean well. And, and much like Dom Toretto values family above everything else. And the guardians of the galaxy are his family. And so, uh, got to go with Groot. I love Groot. I would love to have my own Groot sidekick, um, or life coach. You know, I, I could be his sidekick. I don't really need mm-hmm. to be, I don't need him to be my sidekick. That's not fair, but, um, I just think he's great. I think he's really top notch. Love Groot. Lovely. Lovely. This is my last pick and this is hard. This is hard because mm. I am really between two very recent movies. I'll tell you them. I'll tell you the movies I'm between. Um, one of them will be on this on this uh, schoolyard pick and one will not. It goes to the Tomorrow War Alien, the White Ooh. Spikes. It's that good. It's that good. And I, it also goes to A Quiet Place. The monster alien design in A Quiet Place is spectacular. The the design with the, they can, they can hear you only and their ears open up. And man, they have vulnerabilities that are so specific. I'm having a hard time, Cam, but let me take a little bit more of your time. When I was a young child, playing with the neighbor kids. We all picked our superhero powers and I was somewhat of a bumblebee like character called stinger. And I shot stingers out of my hands. So this, uh, this alien has one more layer of, of likeness that I enjoy mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have to pick from the tomorrow war, the white spikes, the white spikes. They win it. They win it for me. They're wow. so good. They're so good. The dog panting, the, the, just the, the way they move their, uh, their, their, um, their kind of their evolution and adaptation to how they survive is so specific. It's just unparalleled, uh, alien design. And that is why I think we need to have a second tomorrow war where some evil being goes back in time and says, you know what? We need a, we need a set, uh, a reset on the human race yeah. and they somehow bring them back. But that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. How about, um, and for those of you who skip the tomorrow more review and skip to this so that you don't get spoilers, earmuffs for like 15 seconds. How about how the, when the queen or the female gets stabbed with the toxin in the arm, she rips her arm off. Yeah. Savage. Dude. Just sat pure savagery. I was like, wow, these things are horde core. They do not mess around. They play for keeps. So yeah, yes. there's that great choice. Great choice, Kirk. My final choice, this is tough. I am also choosing between two, but they are two unconventional aliens, not not scary aliens like the ones that you were talking about. Um, going unconventional, because I already had my scary pick, which was the aliens from the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with Gonzo from the Muppets, <laughs> who, as you will remember and recall, certainly, was revealed to be an alien in Muppets uh, in Space. Muppets in Space, the great the great '90s film, which I saw in theaters. I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, upon a rewatch, it is a truly terrible, terrible film. I think I probably thought that at the time, but I loved Gonzo. He is excellent. I think he just brings it all to the table for the Muppets. Gonzo really does. He he does yeah. lots of different um, high flying circus acts, shoots things out of cannons, all that kind of stuff. But then also plays the best narrator role ever in a Muppet Christmas Carol. And he does. I mean, just truly stellar work there by Gonzo. I think he is the glue that holds the Muppets together. Um, you know, people will say it's Kermit. I think Kermit's, you know, I think he's the quarterback. I think Miss, mm-hmm. Miss Piggy is the much needed energizer. You know, she brings the, the conflict, 
Gonzo's the glue. Gonzo's the glue, and that's probably why his name starts with a G because they knew they knew from the beginning, and he's one of the best. And um, finishing just behind Gonzo in as as my second unconventional alien pick would have been Alf. Alf was the other choice. All right, and purely just because Alf is hilarious, um, kind of. I shouldn't say he's totally hilarious. I mean, his jokes make me laugh, but also just just sh- shout out to Alf for making us rethink what an alien looks like. You know, mm-hmm. I think up to that point, we sort of saw aliens as, and I still do, slimy, gooey, um, you know, round-eyed creatures who are probably gray or green. Um, and, and Alf really changed that narrative. So he was a trailblazer in his own right. Yes. Now should we uh, do honorable mentions because this list is forever? Yeah, I, I, I'd say you kick it, kick it off, Kirk. I've got a few. I've got a few. Someone uh, just mentioned uh, Miss uh, Miss Mary Sunshine, Mars Attacks Aliens. That is definitely in my list Good with one. the brains and the dome. Uh-huh. Excellent choice. I feel you. I hear you. I see you. Uh, we've got Super 8, the aliens from Super 8. Ooh, um, Pre- Predator, Galaxy Quest, you know, when they actually show their true form. Kind of horrifying. Um, I threw signs on here, and I'm mm. going to take the heat for it. Those aliens, I think... In the moment, the very first moment they're shown, I think they're they're a little scary. They're a little scary. Quiet place. Um, Mork, 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 Mr. Robin Williams. Yeah, my favorite Martian. Uh, the Christopher Lloyd version, and of course Korg from the MCU. Great choices. Yeah, there's lots of MCU choices. That's for sure. Um, had one that I was just thinking of that I'm now forgetting, but I also just like uh, there was a game called destroy all humans mm-hmm. in which you're mm-hmm. an alien killing human beings. They just recently remade that movie and he was just a very stereotypical looking alien. I really liked that um, invader Zim yep. on my list as well. Um, I really liked that one. And yeah, I think those are most of the big ones. I think, I think you hit a lot of the heavy hitters though. I just, I just had one. It was right on the tip oh, of my tongue. Man. And it flew out of my brain. Another alien. I don't know what it could have been, Kirk. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Who is it? Oh, oh, oh. Um, the the Secret World of Alan Strange, uh, Nickelodeon movie uh, or TV series way back in the day. Uh, Kyle X Y with no belly button. Oh, you oh, know. here we go. Here we go. This is what the, the Klingons. Yes, the Klingons. Of from, course, from Star Trek. I mean, that's an obvious one. I don't see how yes. that didn't get picked. Oh. Um. So yeah, that was my that was my final pick. And there's tons of Star Wars aliens I love. There, I mean, so many, so many. I'm not going to get into all that, but I think we covered a lot of bases. We'll 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 uh, pull the people about their favorite aliens. I want to hear more takes. I want to know Mars attacks. Is that was that a snub? Should we have them on the list? Probably. If you've got other alien takes, let us know which aliens we're missing. And is if maybe there's a movie out there with aliens that we didn't name. Oh, Cloverfield. The Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's. That's great. District nine, right? District nine. Yeah, yeah. sure thing. We could do this <laughs> for eternity and we Tonight's will stream is yeah. six hours long. Yeah. If you guys want to hop off, we're just going to sit and, and we're going to continue <laughs> to chat aliens for the next five hours. If you're cool. Um, yeah, that's all we got. So that's our schoolyard pick. We had a really fun show today with our game, our, our all of our, our review and then our schoolyard pick. Good, good times. Thank you guys for joining us on the stream. If you're listening in podcast form, thank you so much. We got some exciting things coming up. Kirk and I have secured tickets to Black Widow two nights from tonight. I've been counting down the days seemingly for eternity. I'm so excited. So excited to be there opening night. So excited to be seeing it on the biggest screen I could possibly find. And then I will also buy it on Disney Plus because I'm I'm insane. And I just... 
I'm excited. I'm overexcited. So we'll be reviewing that one next week, Black Widow. So get ready for our first MCU installment in over a year. Um, that's going to be exciting. We've got spilled popcorn going on. Kirk was talking about it earlier. Right now we're walking through Loki, episode by episode. There's only two episodes left in that series. So if you're watching Loki and you haven't watched or listened to Spilled Popcorn, check out our YouTube, check out the podcast episodes, um, and, and hear all of our theories. I will say, I was saying this on the podcast this week, humble brag, we've been right about a ton of stuff on this Loki right. show so far. And we were way wrong on a ton of stuff in WandaVision and way wrong on a ton of stuff in Captain uh, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I almost called mm-hmm. it Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, but Loki, Loki, we're batting a thousand right now. We are yes. all over it. So there's some exciting stuff coming. Next episode of Loki drops tomorrow. So we'll be talking about episode five very soon, but check that out. Um, and then, yeah, join our Discord server. Follow us on all of the socials. We appreciate you guys listening. You know that, as always, we have to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band that created our original music, which is Stellar if I do say so myself. Thank you guys so much. That band is called Rhetoric. Check them out, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then. Bye.